This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealu, Paul Calvisi, and two-time Pro Bowler Lorenzo Alexander. Here we are in mid-December, and it is strange, gentlemen, that we have a bye week in our rearview mirror. 13 straight games. I want to include the preseason, training camp. This team has been going nonstop. A well-deserved break, but now it is back to work. So when was the last or the latest buy that you can remember that you had in your career? I know typically you want it in the middle of the season to kind of break it up, but if you're playing well, you don't want that buy to come. If you're not playing well, hey, we need a break. I don't know what the latest I've ever had a buy is. I, I don't know if I've had it one this late, but probably maybe two weeks earlier than this is probably the latest I've ever had one. And it, depending on how the season's going, it just feels like a long time and you do need a break. And for me, by the end of it, I didn't care if we was playing well or not. I, I needed to get a break and be able to decompress a little bit and let the body heal up so you can finish the season strong because that's what it's all about at the end of the day is being able to start fast, put some stuff in the bank, and then obviously winning in – November, December, and even into January, you know, with the extra game is the significant where you really want to be rolling and feeling healthy. Come on now. Lorenzo Alexander didn't need no stinking bye week. You're probably out there on your own hitting the sled during the bye week. Come on now. I was still getting it in, but I, the older I got, man, you, I needed it. The young and dumb version of me, yeah, I didn't need it. But uh, you, you realize to take appreciate those times where you can let stuff go because that's the hardest part of the game is being locked in for so long, understanding the – the intensity of the game, um, the contentious nature of the game it can be, depending on where you're at on that roster spot, and then whether or not how well the season is going. And to be able to get away from that sometimes just allows you to come back with a new and refreshed mind, really more so than your body, so that you can kind of lock in and really finish off well. So more mental than physical, or does that change as you – as your years years yeah. continue in the league. The older you get, it becomes more about for me at least. I it was it's all it's it's probably less about the body when you're young, probably less about your mind too for <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I think both of those things because I think the the biggest thing for me is obviously I'm getting older my body feels worse. So I definitely want to get away from it, but mentally I think understanding how hard something is to do right on top of my body being hurting. <laughs> For me, it was good to really get away from from it and so I can just not think about or not have to worry about how I'm going to feel Sunday morning. Do, do I feel juiced? Do I got some legs? Or I'm going to have to – this is going to be one of them grinder games where I got to have some, you know, some false enthusiasm on the sidelines. Back in the day, we used to do a TV bit. We'd walk around the locker room uh, right before bye week. Show me your injury. 
right? And uh, some you could put on camera and some you couldn't. But it was amazing how many multiple things guys were dealing with. You know, the guys who would really kind of play to the camera, they'd be like, okay, so I got this in week three, and then they'd roll up their sleeve. I had this in week seven, and and it was amazing the variety and amount of injuries that guys would play through each and every season. Didn't matter the position. Of course, then even like the long snapper and kicker and punter would want to step up and flex some sort of bruise they got. I mean, come on, right? (laughs) And they get a hard time. But yeah, it is remarkable yeah. what everyone's dealing with. Yeah, and, and and to be, you know, full disclosure, I'm dealing with something now, too. So I showed up for you guys. I had to get my knee drained yesterday. You know, oh, went over wow. to Dr. Freeberg, you know, just an oh. old football injury so I could sit down without my knee hurting. I had to get a little, oh. some CCs removed, and yeah. now I'm feeling good. So we, you know. Hey, Always we, a player. We did Gannon's TV show yesterday. Wolf's dealing with another dental ailment. I'm like, oh. did you play 10 years in the NFL or the NHL? Right. I mean, you, you got more teeth issues than like Gordy Howe back in the day. They weren't What's... flying out at you, though, right? <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Come on now, Wolf. So playing through the pain here on this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. The buy did come at a good time. It always does, especially when you're dealing with a number of injuries that the Cardinals have been dealing with here's head coach Jonathan Gannon we've been at it for a long time so um you know I I know they uh, had a little pep in their step they needed the break and it was it was obviously later than normal um but pros and cons of having your break where it's at right now but uh, got some guys healthy hopefully turning the corner a couple guys yeah, it was good to see the bonus practice on Monday, as Gannon calls it. It was good to see a Michael Wilson back out there yeah. running routes. It was good to see Antonio Hamilton, Starling Thomas. They were so thin at corner the last couple of games. So that's the benefit, right? You got two full weeks off between games, and some of these guys who needed that extra time, and the Cardinals definitely need their services. A big receiver, Mike, Michael Wilson, who had a big game the last time they played the 49ers. So that was a welcome sight. Still no Hollywood Brown, although Gannon did say on Monday that they're encouraged and Brown does feel better, but that heel injury, though, it's something that he is playing through. It's not practicing, but he is right. showing up on game day, and you like to see that. At the same time, you want to make sure you're getting those reps with the quarterback within this offense and not just waiting until game day. Yeah, that's definitely important. I mean, anytime that you're working with a quarterback that hasn't been able to be, been out there and was dealing with his own injury issues earlier on, in this season so hopefully you kind of get back right but at this point you're trying to just make sure that you're healthy and, and feeling good on on game day and so you just have to kind of play and deal with those type of things I think another thing as we talk about the bye week what is giving you you know Kyler was able to get four games in right so really be able to sit back now and assess what that four game um, package looked like for him where can he grow? Where can he improve? Where this offense, right, the coordinator getting to understand, okay, maybe we can do some of these things as well. I think it's a good time for that because four games is normally a pretty good sample size where you can kind of get a good flow of what you're doing and who you are and where we can grow and be different and maybe even add in some you know different wrinkles as we move forward. Over those four games, Kyler Murray, two and two. More from the head coach, Jonathan Gannon, and what he has seen from Kyler from that first game to most recently in Pittsburgh. You know, operationally, make sure we're doing a good job in and out of the huddle, getting guys, you know, situated, getting us in the right checks and calls, and then playing at a high level, which he's done. So I'm um, excited for him for this week to go against a really good football team at home. 
um, see if we can put our best foot forward. Yeah, that really good football team is the San Francisco 49ers coming to State Farm Stadium on Sunday. 2.05 is the kickoff for that one. The 49ers 10-3, and number one seed in the NFC right now based off all the tiebreakers. And, of course, they lead the NFC West. Cardinals, though, looking more at themselves, Paul, and specifically Kyler Murray. To Zoe's point earlier, a nice breakup of these eight games for Kyler, and it was interesting to hear Kyler talk about, yeah, my preseason is now kind of done, four games, and now these final four games moving into the offseason. I really wonder if the Cardinals offense found a new identity in that Pittsburgh game. Was that a one-off? Was that a game plan Mm -hmm. against the Steelers? Or was that a new identity? Was that Kyler having a bit of an epiphany, perhaps. You saw it against the Rams. Didn't work so well the week before when he was, what, uh, under center only five times? Three times on the – it was eight times, five times in the opening drive. drive. But then look at this game against Pittsburgh. 24 times under center. They ran it 38 times. He targeted tight ends. When in doubt, go to the tight end. It was just a new identity in so many different ways. And I wonder if finally – Ultimately, you're going to see the Drew Petzing offense that we all anticipated coming into this season, which is under the Kevin Stefanski tree, what you see in Cleveland. Did we not finally see that against the Steelers? And, and that was a thought I had after I watched that game last week as well. And was it more about gameplay? Because if I remember right, majority of those under the center snaps came in the second half. If, I'm, if I rewatched the game and I'm remembering the, the way the game played out. And so did some of it have to do with weather? Right? Did some of it have to do with the score and then just the, the game flow of where they were at? And so where they sprinkle those things in, even in like normal gameplay, because I don't feel – I feel like the first half was closer towards that Rams game, and then they kind of gravitated to more under the center in the second half. And so, all you know, the weather, all these other factors sometimes playing at the score, um, how you playing that day, and then obviously the weather was significant pieces. So was that more why they're under center, why they're running the ball more? And just want to see, because I think it should be more evenly spread out throughout a game, um, as you see like the 49ers do a lot of, right, a lot of under center stuff, and then they come out and shotgun kind of throughout the game and not like spurts of it where they're like lumped together and then you don't see it for a while. And then it spurts together and then you don't see it for a while. I think that's what I want to see, how the evolution after this bye week is like, okay, I think you're comfortable. We just had a ton of reps of it right in this last game. Let's see if we can work it in throughout the totality of the game versus in moments. The other thing, Craig, is that, and I asked Kyler about this after the game in Pittsburgh, you started 0 for 4 on third down, then ripped off nine of your next 11. What was the difference? And and Kyler admitted that he was playing a little too fast, in particular his Mm. footwork. And Jonathan Gannon agreed with that after the game and said Kyler came to him. They had a conversation after the third possession, and Kyler said, you know what? I got this. I just self-corrected myself. I'm just too fast with the footwork. It's and I'm, and I'm not in sync with the receivers. That's great. And and at, so that game, whether it was the scheme or right. whether, it was, whether it was the quarterback and some of the mechanics, I just think it was a huge step forward. Yeah. And, and really an epiphany in some ways. And I'm really curious how this plays out now. The final four games. And I didn't hear that 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 clip from Kyler, but to your point, I noticed that he missed a couple of throws early on, and he was sped up. That is great self-awareness to be able to have that ability to feel that you are working too fast. A lot of people don't have that. And even on the highest levels, you'd be amazed. Like, I did that? Yeah, you did it. But to be able to feel in the moment while things are on the line, go to his coach when they're having a conversation and be able to say, yeah, that's just on me. I got to slow down and then make the correction. 
uh, he's definitely moving in the right direction. That's huge. Speaking of K1, here's his thoughts on those first four games. He's talked post game after the Steelers win. Man, every time I touch the field, uh, I expect to win. So, um, obviously, you know, still frustrated with the two losses that, you know, me playing and, you know, and dealing with those losses. But uh, I was talking to Iz and just, you know, this is technically, you know, preseason for me, four weeks in the season. Yeah, you know, I told him, you know, starting to slow down for me and getting more comfortable. Um, and I could, you know, I, I just feel better out there right now. So hopefully we can keep, you know, keep getting better um, and keep continuing to grow. Overall, Kyler's numbers after four games, almost 61% completion percentage, three touchdowns, two interceptions, but 91 pass attempts without an interception. That is the run that he is on. And going back to that conversation, it did show Sunday in Pittsburgh that Kyler doesn't have to do it all by himself. And if you right. have that offense working and clicking and everyone is on the same page, you can hand the ball off to James Conner. You can give Trey McBride yeah. a number of different targets. It doesn't just have to be Kyler himself. And I think too many times over those first four years for Kyler, he felt like he had to do it. And if he had an off game, there was no chance of the team winning. Yeah, and that, and that just goes with putting more talent around you and, and then growing as a player, understanding that I can spread this out. I mean, if you look at all the great ones that have ever played it, you know, whether it's Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, whether it's Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, right, they have guys around them that are able to make plays. Yes, he's the orchestrator of it, but you have to be able to trust your running game in certain in certain uh, times. You have to trust your, your tight end and receivers that you're going to put a ball somewhere, and even when it's not perfect – they're going to go up and make a play for you, right? And so this is the, you know, the the conundrum of being quarterback. They get so much pressure, but they are the most dependent player on that field. The offensive line, you know, being able to block for you. I thought the offensive line was really off versus the Rams. You know, they didn't play well, so that impacts Kyler's ability to be effective. So all those things, right? I think Kyler is learning that. I, I can take some of this pressure off running the ball, being under center helps that. So when I am in drop back or I'm do, am doing some other things where I'm booting can accentuate my my athleticism, um, it's going to make the game that much easier for you. And I think he's starting to really figure that out and learn about that. And to your point, be able to spread and lean on some other guys because it's only going to allow his star to get bigger because now I got to worry about other guys before just worrying about Kyler Murray. I mean, how's it going this season for Patrick Mahomes, the greatest in the game minus – some of his receivers he could count on in the past, right? right? Not going so well. Look what Brock Purdy is doing. He's getting the ball to Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and handing it off to Christian McCaffrey and throwing it to him as well. Look at those weapons, the way they're able to deploy those guys. Look at the numbers. It, it's that sort of winning football by the quarterback. Did Kyler have great passing numbers? No. I don't care. He was 10-17 of 17 on third down, really 10-16 of 16 if you don't count the yeah. kneel down. 3-3 three of three in the red zone. Didn't turn the ball over against the top five takeaway defense. So a lot of the winning stats, I yep. thought Kyler excelled at. And at the end of the day, that's all you care about is did you win the game yep. on Sunday? I mean, he won Rookie of the Year. He's been to two Pro Bowls. He wants to win. He needs to win. That's the stat that matters right now. Arizona Cardinals single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets. That's azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. One of Kyler's favorite targets, Trey McBride, what he's doing in year two. That's ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Minute 47 to go in the half. The game tied at three apiece. Snap to Murray. Five-step drop. Steps up, throws high over the middle, but what a catch! 
inside the 30-yard line by McBride for a first down at the 27 where he's tackled. But that was an incredible grab. That was a high pass that McBride went up the ladder and pulled in. Snap to Murray, he'll throw. Looks left, fires left in the end zone. It is caught by McBride, and it's a touchdown. Kyler Murray engineers a 99-yard touchdown drive, and the Cardinals take a 9-3 lead in Pittsburgh. Yeah, his confidence is through the roof. You know, he's become a matchup nightmare for, um, you know, whoever's on him. You know, if they're going to put a safety on him, it's tough for safeties to guard him. Super athletic. Sky's the winner for trade. The voice of Kyler Murray talking about his second-year tight end, Trey McBride, who, by the way, on Monday met the media and was still bothered the fact that he had to catch a touchdown pass twice in order for it to count. He still laments the fact that he was not ruled a successful catch, but they went back to him, scored against the Steelers, and the Cardinals win in Pittsburgh 24-10. to As we say, welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats, Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Lorenzo Alexander. And we put the spotlights on right now, Zoe, your leading receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, yeah. Trey McBride, in catches and receiving yards. Yeah, he's been dominant all year. You know, obviously a very um, uh, a player that has surprised us all in, in a lot of ways, right? Being injured last year and just hearing that clip again, he was an integral part of that 99-yard drive, which was significant. You almost forget. I mean, that felt like feel – like Two years ago. Like, man, that was just happened. But And by the way, that was in the driving rain at that point. Yes. He's making a lot of those catches in, in the, the rain. rain. So yeah. that was impressive as well. And he's he's just risen. Confidence, right? I think Breeze production is a is a huge part of that. Um and then you have Kyler now that's making throws and making a really and and being really intentional about giving him the ball. And he, like a lot of these new age tight ends, are like these hybrids where if you put a safety, most safeties aren't athletic enough. Linebackers aren't athletic enough. Corners are typically too small. And so he's a, 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 a matchup nightmare. And that's what the game of football, especially at this level, becomes. It becomes less about the X and O's, but let me place a guy where I'm going to create a matchup issue for him. And most people don't have that type of personnel to line up and guard a guy like that. So he's going to continue to grow, continue to be impactful. He just needs to make sure that he continues to work on the little things, not worry about, you know, too much. Just worry about this game, worry about this week. And I think if, if there's any place that he can continue to grow, it's just blocking, you know, things like that, being more physical, being more consistent there. But the dude is, he's going to be considered, you know, one of the top tier tight ends as he continues to consistently be able to put up numbers like this week in and week out. And listening to him speak, Paul, on Monday when he was asked about what's next, he didn't talk about catching the ball. It was helping in the run game, helping in the pass game, going back to what Zoe said. It's the blocking that he thinks he can improve upon. Yeah, Wolf said he heard that, and he got up out of his chair <laughs> and, and thrust his fist into the air. Right. Okay, right. So, all right, and that's great. And, and yes, it is vital. There's no doubt. And if he's tracking to be a George Kittle, knock on wood, then great. Really stout at the point of attack, an aggressive blocker, and then able to make – plays downfield in the pass-catching game. But to me, he really took off after Zach Ertz went away with injury. And I just think, A, they, he was more the primary target, obviously, without Zach Ertz there. B, they flexed him out a little bit more, used him in the passing game. C, maybe the shadow of a three-time Pro Bowl tight end was no longer hindering his 
his progress and perhaps even his confidence. I think once he got out there, he not only proved it to everyone watching, he proved it to himself that he could make plays at this level. And he could make plays with extra attention. The last two games, he's gotten extra attention over the top. Mm -hmm. I talked to him about that. He said, you know what? I'm used to it from my college days. It doesn't deter him from still going up and making some big grabs in traffic, really athletic catches. That one down the seam where he skied up into the air from field level, just remarkable. He's able to snatch that out of the air with a defender all over him. So it's really impressive. And he told us in the Big Red Rage a couple of weeks ago that a coach early in his college career told him, you should never go down on first contact. Mm. It always takes multiple guys to bring him down. Yeah, and I think that is – the difference between being a a good player and a great player. When people start game planning you and giving you extra attention and you can still find ways, you know, when you think about Kelsey, Kelsey or Kittles or some of the other great tight ends in our game's history, when people start doubling you and you're still getting open, still putting up 90-plus yards, you know, you, you, you're, and you're being active and getting better each and every single week, that's when you can say, okay, man, this is something to this young man. He has something great to him. And if he can consistently continue to do that, um, I'm really excited to see what this happens, especially as we think a little further in the draft and you start putting some big-time pieces on the outside. It only makes this offense that much more dynamic. And to go back to the blocking thing too, right, he doesn't have to knock a guy 10, 15 yards off the ball, right? I think if I, – I, I played against a guy named Jason Witten, one of the great pass catchers at tight end. He wasn't an I'm a knock-you-off-the-ball type dude, but he had just had great technique of how to shield guys and make it really hard for you to get off and get to your blockers and had the attitude of I'm going to help. And so that's all you really need, right? I don't need him to look like because Kittle is, is another beast. I just need you to be able to be effective and efficient and make it hard for outside backers or DNs to get off your block and allow your athletes, right? James Conner don't need much. You know, if you just hold a dude up a little bit as an arm tackle, that's a great block. You don't have to be knocking guys 10, 15 yards off the ball. Right now, as far as catching the ball, Trey McBride, top 10 among tight ends in the league as far as receptions and receiving yards. So the question was asked, does he feel like he belongs in that category of a George Kittle or Travis Kelsey? You know, we all do things differently, but I feel like I can, uh, you know, do it with the best of them. You know, I feel like I can catch the ball well. I can run the block, you know, well. So, you know, I'd love to, you know, continue to build this and and hopefully, you know, have my name in the conversation and some of those guys too. And we really haven't seen a full season of Trey McBride. A year ago, he was behind Zach Ertz. The start of this season, again, behind Zach Ertz. So now these last, what, since week eight – it's been Trey McBride, and then you have a full offseason within this offense. Right. Very little changing. Kyler Murray, healthy this offseason. So really year three, Paul, I think, for McBride, we'll kind of get a sense of where he can, what he can do within this offense. You see it even on the sideline, just being down there. He's so much more loose now. You could tell, and Zach Ertz made a comment about, like, he was really hard on himself as a rookie, trying to do everything just perfect, perfect. <laughs> and and you know, and then he ended up maybe overthinking things a little mm-hmm. too much. Now on the sideline, it's like he's back in his college days or high school days. Yeah. He's laughing, he's messing around, he's ultra confident, yet he's demanding yeah. of himself when he doesn't make some ridiculously difficult catches. And hasn't happened a lot. He'll come to the sideline. He, he ha- his expectations of himself right. are immense. Yeah, and you got to find that balance as a player, right? Where does it meet where 
I understand what the defense is doing. I have my tips. I, I, I know how I want to operate, but that doesn't take away from your instinct and joy of the game, right? You know, we call that paralysis by analysis. And sometimes it's really hard, especially when you're getting fed with a, with a water hose and you're taking all this information in and you professional and I got to be X, Y, Z. And you put all this additional pressure on yourself. It slows you down a little bit. And I think that's sometimes the – that, that, that learning curve that rookies have to go through to kind of figure out where's that good mix for me, and as I grow as a football player, I can take on more. So it's good to see him doing that. In addition with him moving forward, when you want to be mentioned with the greats, it's all about consistency, right? Because we all can jump in, right? I had a uh, a year where I had 12 and a half sacks. I'm not a, a, a all-time great because I wasn't consistently doing that. The guys that are able to consistently produce the way he's doing this year are considered all-time greats. And so it sounds like he's more like this, Right, but most of the time you have a sophomore slump. I know this is going to be his third year, but he really didn't play his rookie year. Going in there and really being intentional and not getting comfortable and relaxing based on what you did, that's typically the difference of guys consistently growing in that offseason, especially going to that year two of being a starter where you don't see that drop off. And so hearing you guys speak about him, hearing other people speak about him, I think he's more of the former where he's going to be locked in where I can grow and really come back even better next year. He also added, talking about Trey McBride, on the difference the person off the field versus the player on the field and how emotional he is when the game is going on. I'm just an animated player. I'm an emotional guy. I love this game. And, and when I'm out there, you know, I make a big play. Sometimes I can't control myself. I just freaking geek out. I don't know what the heck. I just go crazy sometimes. So uh, I don't know what goes on in my head. Sometimes I just start going crazy. Even Kyler's like, dude, you got to chill out. So, you know, he's telling me in the huddle, like, Trey, come on, man, settle down. Sometimes. But uh, I just love having fun, man. And, and when I'm out there making plays, I, I energy, you know, that juice, I, I, you know, some of the guys tell me how, how fired up they get seeing me like that. There are a number of players, though, that are that change when they cross those mm-hmm. white lines. And again, you have to maintain your composure, and be in control, but you also have that release, especially when there is a big play made, whether it goes for you or goes against you, and your right. emotions do rise. Yeah, but again, if that's who you are, right, as long as it doesn't take you out of being able to execute your job, I want you to thrive on that. Because um, there's also some guys who try to bottle that up and not and not express themselves. Your emotions are a strong thing um, when you're on the football field. And typically it's what's taking a guy to the another level, right? And I think about – and this happens. It's a lot of guys like this. But the one that pops in my mind every time we talk about emotions is Steve Smith Sr., right? And that was a guy where you wanted him to just go out there and just play a football game. Hey, guys, don't say nothing to him. Just let him do his thing. He catches a ball. Okay, congratulations. Great job. Great catch. But the immediate time that you say something that he can take the wrong way and he then becomes angry, it is a whole nother monster. So uh, uh, maybe a 95-yard game turns into a 210-yard game because now he's thriving on his angry emotion, what he's what he's known for, right? So I would say the same thing with, with to Trey, right? Embrace that, right? If you ab- use that emotion, just be able to be able to come back and be able to execute, but thrive on that if that's who you are and it comes natural to you. I laugh because Patrick Peterson's first NFL regular season game was against Steve Smith. <laughs> and you talk about a welcome to the NFL moment. Yeah. That that first quarter where Steve Smith was just barked, because they'd come to the near sideline, right? They, and yeah. So, so you, you, I was only five yards away. 
and you could hear some of the stuff that I can't repeat. <laughs> right, Steve yeah, Smith yeah. was yelling at the highly touted rookie Pat P, and the look on his face like, is this the NFL? No, it's not. Because Steve Smith, pound for pound, is probably the angler, angriest dude I've ever seen on a football field. Maybe James Harrison was in there. Uh, Two dudes yeah. who just played ultra angry. Right. So, but but Steve Smith had to at his size. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's how he would win. I played with, so. Car- with him in Carolina and against him on several other teams. But that's when you talk about crossing the field and hitting the switch, right? Whether that's joy or anger, whatever that is for you, it has to be unique for you or authentic to you. And, and thrive on those things because that takes your game typically to another level. Well, right now, McBride has taken his game to another level, has been playing with a lot more fun, and I think the game is slowing down for him in year two. More on McBride. Here's the head coach, Jonathan Gannon, on what the next steps are for McBride. Just what he does from the run and pass game, how Drew deploys him, um, I think that he's taken steps to becoming a more consistent, better playmaker as we've as we've played more games here. As he's only in his second year, you know, and um, I think sky's the limits for him. But obviously, he's a huge piece to our offense, and he's done a really good job. All right, Calvisi Consulting, the Pauley Pigskin Division. May I surmise that Trey McBride should get at least two tight end screens every single game, at least two. He's so good with the ball in his hands. Give him a few blockers. He breaks arm tackles, get him out in space. I'm just, it's just at least a minimum of eight yards every time you get him a tight end screen. That should be an absolute vital and consistent part of the offense until defenses prove they can stop it because he, he is really good with the ball in his hands. Well, we've seen him come across the middle. We've even seen deep shots, and that's typically something you – for most tight ends, you're not running down the sideline for a 30, 35-yard gain. But we've seen pretty much all of that from McBride, especially this season. And now the question is, okay, what do we see next? Because it's about consistency. You heard that from the head coach. McBride needs to be consistent each and every week. And this week, it's a date with the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, Bird Gang, this holiday season, the Cardinals are offering fans a chance to win amazing prizes each day in the month of December. Enter the Cardinals 31 days of giveaways at azcardinals.com forward slash 31 days. The earlier you sign up, the more chances you have to win. That's azcardinals.com forward slash 31 days. We continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Drops straight back to throw, looks left, throws into the end zone, got a receiver, a sliding catch by Wilson, he's in for the touchdown! Michael Wilson with his first career NFL touchdown. Played at Stanford just down the road, and he comes up big here late in the first half. Snap to Dobbs, drops back the path, looks over the middle, throws, it is caught, Wilson, and he is into the end zone for his second touchdown! A 99-and-a-half-yard drive by the Cardinals against one of the top defenses in the NFL. Two touchdowns, part of a career day for rookie Michael Wilson. Seven catches on seven targets for 76 yards. The first time the Cardinals played the 49ers all the way back in week four. As we say, welcome back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Craig Rayaloo, Paul Calvisi, and Lorenzo Alexander. The rematch coming up. Against the 49ers this Sunday, 2.05 from State Farm Stadium is the kickoff. And we hope, Paul, we anticipate because he was seen during the open portion of Monday's bonus practice. But number 14, after missing some time with a shoulder injury, I would think returns this week. Put it this way. 
personally, I wanted to see him on the football field because I know how good he is. Plus, he needs these four games going into an, an important offseason. Yeah, the Niners game, week four, by the way, he was the third Arizona Cardinals rookie in the last 20 years to have multiple touchdown catches in a game. As a rookie, Fitz and John Brown were mm. the other guys to do that. So that was big time. And I would be surprised if he doesn't play. I am fully expecting uh, him, and I understand he is tracking to play. So that's good, not only in the past game, but to think about it, I mean, think about what the Cardinals did running the ball, especially in that fourth quarter, without their two best blocking wide receivers right. at Pittsburgh. No Zach Pascal, no Michael Wilson. I mean, that's a big deal, isn't it, Zoe? I mean, you it's look out there, you don't have those guys downfield paving the way. It's, it's significant, and when you look at like a team like the, the 49ers or any top-tier running teams, typically the wide receivers are, are, are a significant part of that. And he, Michael Wilson is a willing and capable blocker, and that was one of the first things that I saw when he was getting some run early in the season – now he's in there throwing his body around, holding on for dear life, just anything to where his guy isn't going to be on the play on the tackle. And that just sends a message, I think, to everybody, especially when you're playing a physical team like the 49ers. You want those guys that are going to be harassing that defense just knowing their personality. you got to have guys going to stand up, stand out, and, and be willing to engage for four quarters. The offense looks different when you have a Michael Wilson on the football field, when you have a receiver with some height that you can utilize as well. Head coach Jonathan Gannon, four games left. What he wants to see, not just specifically about Michael Wilson, but the offense overall. Continue to always is protect the football um, and generate explosives, you know what I mean? And then play the game that, they, that we need to play on a week-to-week basis that gives us a chance to win. Cardinals have done a good job since the return of Kyler Murray in protecting the football and this idea and – Tell me if I'm wrong, Zoe, because there are sometimes I do believe in it. There's other times I don't. <laughs> yeah. Momentum from one week to the mm. next, from one season to the next, or is it more an individual thing? How much these four games offensively can help Kyler Murray, Michael Wilson, Trey McBride, those key pieces right. going into next season? I think it's it's a factor. It matters. Uh, but for example, I can be as confident as I want to be, but if I'm going up against Trip Williams that week, I know that it's going to be a fight, and I may not have two or three sacks, right? I know I may have zero because of who I'm going against. So it is a factor in your production and your ability to play well individually and collectively, but at some point, talent does matter and who you're going against does matter as well, and also your ability to execute when you play these teams. So it's just one part of being successful as far as having momentum, having some success, because then when you have belief and hope in something, that just increases your chances for to be successful. It doesn't guarantee that you'll be successful. So I think that's more of how people should think about it when it when you're talking about momentum and, and, and what you've done in the past and, and how that's going to help you predict future results. Yeah, I don't know as much momentum as it is confidence. And if you can build some confidence – I think that'll carry over into the offseason, not only because you're playing the best team in the NFL right now, a team that destroyed Dallas, took out the Eagles big time, 42-19, but you're talking about a team that's won 11 straight NFC West games. Let that hang in the air for a minute. And then you, you went against a Rams team this year that's now Sean McVay has won, what, 13 out of 15, 14 out of 16 against the Cardinals. You need to make a statement against these division teams. You need to figure this out. Now, the first time around in week four with Josh Dobbs, you got down 21-3, but you didn't give up. You made it a 21-16 game in that four, in that third quarter, and then things got away in the fourth. But if you can stand up to the bully of the NFC right. West, 
They just clinched the playoffs. They're a win away from clinching the division. They just took out Seattle for the fifth straight time. They, you know, they usually romp against the Rams, except for that one playoff loss when the Rams went to the Super Bowl, made that Super Bowl run. So somebody needs to knock off the Niners at this point in the division. <laughs> That's what needs to happen. 2021 NFC Championship game is the last time the 49ers lost to a division opponent. They wow. lost the Rams that day. Yeah. 20 to 17. And I think to your point, whether it's momentum or confidence, that's why I say it's just a small piece of it, right? Because the 49ers are a better team overall, right? But you can go in there, play with great confidence, right? And maybe come up with some big plays that increases and gives yourself a chance to maybe knock off the 49ers. But if everything is playing equal, if we're just going to be honest, the 49ers are a better team. And for whatever reason, whether it's injuries and you're playing with second or third backups, right? You can't beat elite teams when you're not at full strength. And this team right now is in the Arizona Cardinals aren't that. That's why you want to see them play good, sound football and win in the areas that we talked about earlier when you talked about Pittsburgh, right? What does your third down percentage look like? What is um, uh, red the zone. turnover, red zone? What do, what do those things look like and win in those areas, which is also going to increase your chances of winning, versus necessarily – um, winning the game. And I know there's no more, and that's the, the thing, but when you're looking at just paper, the Niners are a better football team. And, and everybody would be surprised, even some of the coaches, they're not going to say it and upstairs. Players don't think this way if they go in there and aren't able to find a victory. It's just, it just is what it is. But you want to have make sure that you play at your level of, of football and try to put yourself in a position where if they give you a shot, you can go in there and take advantage of it. And it's not just this Sunday. It's on the road in Chicago, on the road in Philadelphia, final home game, week 18 against the Seahawks, final four games, two against the division. But these four games are important, according to Trey McBride. Yeah, I just want to see our team continue to get better. You know, I think we've gotten better the last couple of weeks offensively. Um, we've, we've played well. Really just want to continue to get better, continue to grow, continue to develop. You know, hopefully everyone – can keep gelling as an offense. Hopefully the coaches, you know, keep doing their thing. But um, ultimately, I just want to keep going. Hopefully get a couple wins, you know, going into the offseason, you know, have some momentum going into the offseason. And I do think, again, whether you buy or don't buy the momentum thing, but seeing what these players can do that you know are going to right. be a part of the future within this offense, within this defense, what the coaches would like to do, do we have the pieces to do what we want to do in order to be successful? Right. And, you know, you go in, finish strong. That's why you want to see some of these younger guys, seeing what they do, how they develop over these last four weeks. And it helps you kind of clear your mind. You know, the draft, free agency. These are things that we can work on and build on. And these are guys that we are confident in. Um, but you still got to put the work in as a player. No matter momentum, confidence, whatever, if you don't put the work in to match that momentum and confidence that you're expecting to have, the next season, none of it matters. That's why I say it's always just a small piece of it, right? But you definitely want to be more in a space where you have some confidence. You felt, okay, we finished strong. These are some things that I can do to grow as a player and then collectively as a team when we get back together. Hey, hey fellas, let's get all this going. We'll have a real shot, right? New season, new year. Hey, let's go out, win, you know, 1-0 and each week, and we can maybe find ourselves climbing the ladder and maybe being ahead of schedule next year. Look, Niners are really talented. They got Pro Bowlers all three levels of the defense. They got NFL Defensive Player of the Year last year, Nick Bosa, best left tackle in the game. Pro Bowl receivers, Elise Kittle and Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk killed the Cardinals back in Week Four. <laughs> they got the NFL's leading quarterback in terms of passer rating, yards per attempt, and completion percent. They're loaded, but you know what? 
Cardinals fought with him. And John Lynch said after that game in week four, he was really impressed just by the fight of the Cardinals. And there were some fights at the end of that game, including James Conner going at it with Hafunga after the game. Yeah. So this is going to be feisty, I think. Cardinals remember how physical that game was in week four, and I think it'll be back on Sunday. The rematch on Sunday at State Farm Stadium. More on that matchup as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats, Cardinals and 49ers. The matchup in week 15 right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Here is a toss going the other way away from Adams. A toss to McCaffrey. A cutback run 30. Breaks 340. McCaffrey midfield. McCaffrey 40. 30. 20. Devin Weatherspoon, he cuts inside on him and just it all the way down to the three-yard line on the first play of the game. CMC, dynamite! That's done eight with big blocks. Blitz from Bobby Wagner, they pick it up. Deep shot, Brock Purdy's going downfield for Devo! Touchdown! San Francisco! And Brock Purdy just does a great job. Purdy going to throw it on the sideline. Kittle's got him. 10-5. Touchdown! San Francisco! When you're 10-3 and and you rack up 527 total yards of offense and you're the voices, the collective voices of the San Francisco 49ers, Greg Papa and Tim Ryan, you can have some fun on the broadcast. And the 49ers have had a lot of fun this season, including a Week 4 win against the Cardinals. Most recently, though, the 49ers beating the Seahawks at home. San Francisco has won five in a row since that three-game losing streak, which so seems so far ago because yeah. at that point it was... What's wrong with the 49ers? I don't think they can I don't think they can advance very far in the postseason. Now they are the cream of the crop right. and the number one seed in the NFC. Right. And we forget that the field goal kicker missed a last second kick in the first of those three games and yep. then dealing with injuries, right? And so it just just crazy how long the NFL season is and the ebbs and flows and well, we thought about Denver when they gave up 70, and now they got, you know, six, seven wins. It's just, it's just crazy. You think about them in a, in a total different light now, and that's I mean, just the, the Broncos NFL are a game behind the Chiefs right now <laughs> in the division. Yeah. I mean, what the? Uh, yeah. But there was eight plays of 25 yeah. or more yards against Seattle. And, yeah. and you had, once again, you had Kittle and CMC, and you had Ayuk and Debo Samuel combined over 500 scrimmage yards from those four guys. Right. And three of those four had a play over 45 yards apiece. And, I mean, it's one of the plays, CMC, first play of the game, right, setting the tone, right, um, from an offensive standpoint. And what they do really well, just kind of going back and watching that first half of that game is is that they give you a, a ton of eye candy, right? So uh, Juice is going to be motioning from – out at tight end, getting back in the fullback position. Debo is going to be jetting across the line of scrimmage before a snap. Then they'll run the ball right at you, you know, power scheme, counter scheme, downhill stuff. And then here comes a jet sweep on the outside. Um, and, and, and while they're doing this, people are also hawking and relaying back behind the line of scrimmage. And you don't have to know what those things mean, but it means at the end of the day that as a linebacker or a safety and run support, my gap is changing. Right. And so they get a lot of these big time runs just getting people out of their gap, out of their comfort zone because they're, they lack eye discipline. So that's going to be one of the big things this Cardinals defense is going to have this week is understanding their run fits, 
understanding what makes their run gap change, and then being physical at the point of attack because the offensive line of the 49ers are really great about coming up to the second level, getting their hands on the linebackers and safeties, and pushing you out of the way. So with those two things, great eye discipline, great physicality at the point of attack, and then getting off the blocks to really um, shut this run game down. Now, the big difference between week four and now week 15, offensively, obviously, it's Kyler Murray. But to your point about the defense and the Cardinals defense, Buda Baker did not play yeah. in that game. Now, that's one player of 11. And or Zaire now, too. And oh, yeah. so that, yeah, <laughs> Some you, trade-offs. You lose one, you gain one. So. <laughs> yeah. But I would think that should help a little bit. And then having seen this team once before, you even though it has been – couple of months yeah you remember certain things about that previous game you do um that I, I guess my only reservation is is when other teams if we think about what the Rams did and I think maybe Atlanta maybe even Houston to some ex- extent the zone scheme especially with the interior D linemen they've really struggled now if you run you know gap scheme downhill right at them deuces blocks trying to base blocks the D-line has done pretty well of holding the ground. But when they get lateral running, that's has really been the issue. It hasn't really been the second level or even the safeties as much. It's really been those guys being pushed and running lateral. So those are the things that I want to see them correct, especially coming off this break, knowing that they're going to see the Niners, who are the probably the best in the league at this zone scheme and mixing in, the, in this power scheme as well. In case in point, the Rams. Both meetings, second half of game one when they ran for a buck seventy four in the second half. Right. Kyron Williams and Kyron Williams returned and did it to the Cardinals again, two twenty eight as a team. And a lot of that was the scheme you just cited that the Cardinals have struggled at times as a defensive front to fit. The gap integrity has been lacking in that sort of scheme. So here it comes, Kyle Shanahan, and he's going to break his own tendencies. What's amazing is to talk to a lot of the defensive players. They really only use a half dozen, maybe ten different plays, but they dress it up. Different oh, personnel yeah, groups, right, yeah. different motions. It's going to look different, but they're just going to hammer you with these same plays. And and it's tough. It's a tough fit. And then, like we saw in week four, Brandon Ayuk, somebody gets loose, somebody gets yep. downfield, and you can only single cover them. And then, bam, they test your, your strength and your depth at the cornerback position. Brock Purdy only one incompletion in that first meeting. Christian McCaffrey, 177 scrimmage yards. Brandon Ayuk, 148 receiving yards in that first meeting. And they basically haven't slowed down one bit since week four. Cardinals and the 49ers coming up on Sunday. 2.05 is kickoff. 9.30 pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Want to get to that game? Single game tickets available right now. Go to azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets. We will discuss the Cardinals 49ers rematch next week here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. It is caught by McBride, and it's a touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.